Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Uh, if you missed last week's kickoff, we're in a brand new series called Let's Get Honest. It's a really a, a relationships series, and I would do yourself a huge, huge favour if you didn't hear last week's message. Brent brought this message. It's on YouTube. It's just so good. All week long, Rebecca was like telling our whole family, be curious, not critical. Be curious, not critical. And especially to me, you be curious, not critical. And um, and uh, yeah, but we, we are in the weeks coming going to touch on even more practical things. And Rebecca and I are going to um, share next week. Yeah, she's a she's a good one. That one, <laughs> hey? You never know what might happen next week. So, and the week after, we've got the Gilpins with us, and uh, and I just say, bring your friends and family, bring your workmates, bring your neighbours, those who don't know Jesus, bring everyone. The next few weeks is going to be excellent. But this week, I want to take a step back, right back, and I want to share one of the greatest keys, regardless of what relationship that we might have in our lives. Many of us have relationships. Uh, everyone has relationships of some form. This has to be one of the greatest keys in relationship. And Jesus speaks to it in John chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Isn't that good news today? Jesus loves you. A couple of people are happy that Jesus loves you. I'm so glad. If your life is defined by who loves you, man, you're pretty pretty awesome, aren't you? Now remain in that love, in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. And that's quite huge. You know, there are things that God commands us to do, but it's encapsulated in love. It is not a grievous thing. David actually said, I actually love to follow your decrees. And he said it because he loved the Lord and the Lord loved him. And, And religion is doing obedience, but without love. That's religion. And so in your Christian walk, you got to be filled with love, abiding in love, drenched in love, walking in love, 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 love. The Beatles think, you know, they wrote about it, but Jesus was it. And he says, so I've told you this, that my joy may be in you. Oh, there you go. There's another one. As a Christian, you're meant to be defined by the joy of God that's in your heart. Your joy is meant to be a marker of your life. And... This is what I want to say. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. That's logical. That makes sense. Of course, if you follow him, there's, there's this kinship. But I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Uh, Jesus saying, I have called you, Brooke, you're a friend. He says, you're my friend. Uh, you're my friend. You're my friend. And he goes on to say, because I've learned what I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, I've chosen you and appointed you so you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So whatever you ask in my Father's name, I'll give to you. This is my command, love one another. If there's ever gonna be, if someone said, I want you to use one word to describe Jesus Christ. One word, one quality, one facet. I wonder what you would say. 
for me, I'd refuse the assignment. I, there's not one. Because I know him to be everything. He's everything. So I, I'd find it difficult. We know that the world turns on axis in an ever-expanding universe because of him. We know that um, what he says becomes reality. We know that he is love because he died for us. We know that he is a saviour. He saved us from death. We know him as just because he does judge justly. And, and people should know that. You can't muck around with him forever. You know, he, he, he is responsible through and through and deals with things in a very different way to how we deal with things, but he is just. But we also know that he is gracious and he is merciful and he is good and he is the king of all kings and he is all powerful and he is omnipresent. He's with you and with me wherever we are at the same time. He is omnipotent. He is a peacemaker. He's a deliverer. But would you ever say, if you choose the one word, would you ever say, he's my friend? Friend. I don't know. I, I don't know if I could do that. You know, it would just seem to be the only one, you know. Some, somehow it seemed inappropriate. How could you ever say about someone so mighty as him? He's my friend. And that could actually be because of our concept of friendship. Um, we've had maybe, like many people, a checkered past with friends. Maybe they haven't always been good friends, good relationships, maybe not always healthy, maybe not always good and fruitful. Paul did say in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, he said, bad company corrupts good character. Uh, and that is true, that the company that you keep. But if Jesus is your friend, his good company transforms bad character. <laughs> you want Jesus as your friend. You want him in your life. Moses was actually a friend of God. He actually said that not only was he God's friend, but he would meet with him and speak with him as a friend would. Enoch, not talked about very much, but in the Bible you'll find that Enoch and God were such good friends that one day, uh, one day, he actually, God goes, oh, this is ridiculous. Just come to heaven, let's hang out more. He just snatched him away. He didn't even die. They were just so close and such good friends. Yeah. Um, Adam walked with God before the fall, before sin entered. Adam walked with God like a friend would in the cool of the afternoon and evening. Hopefully not too cool. Bring back summer. The disciples loved and enjoyed Jesus' company even as much as his commands and his, what he had to say. And we, we often think, oh, well, he must have been a great teacher. Well, there were other good teachers at that time. But it was his heart. It was who he was to them. They left, he was such a good friend that they left everything to be with him. Think about that. Think about what he would be like, that you would leave everything just so you could be with him. And I, th and I think that it would be good to remember that your God is a relational God. He loves people. He loves hanging out with people. I can't believe I'm ever going to say this, but he loves having people as his friends. That's what he loves. In fact, he moved all of heaven to do it. The dictionary describes friends as a person attached to another by feelings of affection. It's a personal regard. It also describes it as a person who gives assistance, support, or is protective, so affectionate and protective. 
It also describes it as a person who is on good terms with another person. That's, that's a novelty. Uh, good terms and a person who's not hostile. Who goes there? Friend or foe? No. You're a person who is for that person's greater good. So you're affectionate, you're protect, protective, and you're for their greater good. Um, new dictionaries actually add this as well. Get this. A friend who is a person who you added to the list of contacts on social media website. <laughs> I just friended a couple of guys in my class. It's just so pathetic. And it also says in the dictionary, strangely, it says it's very rare. Good friends are rare. It's not common. Um, I, I don't know if you want thoughts and tips along the way, but you don't need 10,000 friends. I don't even think you need 1,000 friends. I don't think you need 500, 300, 200, 100. I doubt you need 50 friends. I kind of feel like a handful. You just need a handful of friends. That kind of, that kind of description of being affectionate and protective and for you. And then what you need added to that is just to be friendly. You're just a friendly person. I know you're like, I thought this was going to be the greatest hack, the greatest tip to relationships ever. Yeah, it is. Friendly people tend to have good relationships. A marriage, oh no, we're banging on about marriage again. Yeah, marriages that are built on friendships as opposed to say Tinder. Oh, you're too Christian for your, your T-shirt. Uh, it's, a, it's, a web, it's an app, I've heard. I don't, I don't, when we were dating, we didn't have the internet, right? You actually had to talk to a person. Yeah, you actually had to approach them. I approached her at, I was 11 or 12. I approached her at Bethany Park one summer. I knocked on her door and I said, do you want to kiss me? I didn't even, I didn't even say hello. Uh, and, and she goes, she just said what any person in their right mind would say. Just said, no, and shut the door. So good. I just, by the way, on dating, I just get a little bit concerned about this idea that it's all just going to fall in your lap and happen. It's silly, guys. That we, we think the app will provide us. Oh, of course, because they put up a very realistic picture of themselves, don't they? If they're not catfishing you, it's not even their worst angle. Everyone in the room has a good ear and a bad ear. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever looked in the mirror and gone, why is my ear on that side just slightly weird? Do you do that? No, it's just me. I'm a very vain person. Uh, you know, I, I um, yeah, I'm going to go way off track and I'm going to regret it. But the reason we need to talk about friendship is because this is what it actually means to be like Jesus. He's such a good friend. You might be thinking, hold on, we're talking about discipleship this year. Yes, we are. But relationships is how discipleship happens. Without relationship, it's often the case, it's one of the main vehicles God uses to bring truth and change by His Word into our lives. I'll give you an example. This is a larder. You ready? That's a larder. Okay, and you might want to take notes on this. I, you, you might be a note taker. This is worth writing down, okay? Just a few collection of sayings. How do you avoid speeding tickets? Buy a larder. What do you call a larder on top of a hill? A miracle. Owner asks his mechanic, can I get a windscreen wiper for my larder? Mechanic replies, that sounds like a fair swap. 
How do you double how do you double the value of a larder? Fill the tank with petrol. Why does a larder have heated rear windscreen to warm up your hands while pushing it? What do you call a larder with a sunroof? A wheelbarrow. Why are larders manuals? Why are larders manuals 500 pages long? Two pages with information about the car and 498 pages with bus timetables. So, no one's writing them down. I don't know what's wrong with you. You know where I got those from? At school, from friends. That's what we did before the internet. We used to make tree huts and tell jokes. Road BMXs told jokes. And, and I loved larder jokes even at 11 and 12. I, all my friends at school, I don't know whose dad had a larder. My dad didn't. It was the most bizarre thing ever. And this is my point, because I also learned some other things at school from friends. Things we should not mention on a Sunday. Or maybe any day. And that's the point, isn't it? Let me, let me try to drill this home. Everything God wants to do in your life, everything that He wants to accomplish, achieve, and bring you through to is going to happen through strategic relationship. Everything. And I would say that about the kingdom of light. Let me flip it over and say this about the kingdom of darkness. Everything that that wants to achieve in your life, everything that it wants to accomplish, everything that it wants to shape you, inform you in, is often done the same way through relationship. It is the bedrock fundamental vehicle. And Jesus said, look, you are my friends if you do what I command. I'm not calling you servants anymore. So we can't have this relationship with God forever. That's the servant. It's not gonna last. You can't have religious rhythms and patterns going through the motions and it be fruitful. You have to go past that, guys. You, it's okay to start there, but you have to get to a point in, in your own life where you can actually go, I am a friend of God. And he said, because servants don't know what his masters are doing. Instead, I've called you friends because everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. So what he's saying there is, there's things that you know that you didn't know before and things that I'm revealing to you about your life and about your future and even about your past and about how you can get free and how you can actually flourish and eternal things, right? That has come through friendship. Friendship with me. You've spent time together. You're open to my word. You've opened up to me. You've trusted me. We've spent this life together. Ah, these are my friends. And, and I just really feel it in my spirit that the, the, not only the spiritual world we're living in, but the physical and practical world, we're, we're at risk of losing the art of friendship. We're actually, even in our relationships, our, our parenting, that's that constant battle, hey, you can't be their friends. Well, you're gonna be their enemies then. What are you gonna be? Well, you're a parent, you're a mum and a dad first. But the camaraderie of, of, of relationship has to be in the mix, otherwise they don't stay connected to you. What they do is that probably the, one of the best things, and I dare not say this because you might judge me, one of the best things we ever did as a family was buy a secondhand spa. See how I caveat everything. Well, we did it because they thought I just wanted to pay more power. And no father wants to do that, I can tell you that. Deep inside the core of who they are, everything against me. 
oh, anyway. So we filled it up. We got it going. They might have got a few rashes the first time. <laughs> so if you can afford it, I couldn't at the time, buy a brand new one. You know, if you want a second-hand one, you also need a trip to the chemist. But we got the spa and, and the best thing about the spa was, right, we're all in it together. I, I, my, some of my kids like playing, I walk out, they're playing cards together. They're playing a board game. You know, this, this, <laughs> that is true. Ribs does cards and stuff. Not in the spa. Not in the spa, no. No, 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 no. Sorry. You weren't, you, <laughs> you weren't coming with me. If you want, a, you want me as a communicator in your world, you've got to come with me. We'd moved on. Affectionate, protective, for their greater good. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring these thoughts, okay? Because um, we all need the help and how just to be a great friend. And it, and it, I actually think this will help you when it comes to your understanding of Jesus as well. But this is both for you to have friends, but also I think there's people in the room you want to go deeper in the things of God and understanding God. And I'm, I know you think it's by being a monk in the desert. Where would you go here? Back beach. You've got to find a desert. There's sawdust there, be careful. You know, you go to the desert and you've got to be on your own and being alone's okay. It's, there's time for solitude. But the things that God has done in my life has actually required activation of friends. It's true. So here it is. Here's how to be a great friend. Number one, you've got to learn how to be a friend of people which might seem a little too obvious. But let me tell you, in a world of devices, screens, endless content and entertainment, we need to be obvious. AI is right on our doorstep. Soon people are going to have, they're going to order robots. That's what's going to be happening. They're going to order a robot and they're going to be shipped to their door. And I know some of you look at me like I'm already married to one, so it's all good. But, but <laughs> no one in particular. Uh, but, but listen, it is possible now to not be friends with anyone, right? Because you've got everything you need. I don't, what's the famous quote? I don't need people. You're wrong. If, you, if, you're, if your eternal character and development and destiny is of any interest to you, you need more than a iPhone. Remember the words of, of God in Genesis. It is really not that good for man to be alone. It's not good for you. Proverb 18.1, a man who isolates himself is not wise and seeks only his own desires. So when you're on your own, when you don't have anyone, no friends, no camaraderie in your life, you end up only seeking what you want. And friends on Facebook, right? Well, here's a way to measure it. Would you like any of them turning up to your house unannounced? And the answer is a resounding defo no. <laughs> so that's not what we're talking about. I honestly think that being a friend of people is to actually fall in love with the concept and the creativity, again, of people, even the weird ones, of which I am one. You, you want to be like, oh, that person's interesting. I, I, I think a positive, faithful mindset is saying something like, man, we could be friends. You know, we, we actually could be friends. I had that feeling when I saw Dave Gilpin five years ago on a YouTube. I listened to a message he did and it just blew my mind. So I thought, I, I just thought, I've never met the guy, never talked to the guy. I just thought, I reckon we could be friends. 
So I messaged him on Instagram and I said, G'day Dave, it's Graham. Loved your message on such and such, unbelievable stuff. Now, now people who don't want to be your friend, what do they usually do? Leave you on scene. But Dave didn't. He replied back, capital letters, Graham, exclamation mark. He's never talked to me before. Whoa, thank you so much. And there, from that point, it was backwards and forwards and chatting. And then I go, would you like to come to New Zealand? And a beautiful friendship was birthed. All because I was curious and I thought, I reckon I'd love to be his friend. That was it. And we often just randomly FaceTime each other. Just, you know, text, he sends me a lot of memes. They're really pure, but they're really weird. But, you know, thank God for Dave Gilpin because there were pivotal moments. I did not realise what they were going through. I was actually about to be a friend for them when they faced really, really tough stuff going on in the BLM movement in the UK, a ton of other things. And it was just a God set up, right? Just because someone was curious about a person. Are you a curious person about persons? Do you like people? Do you just like people? Do you just think, oh, people are great. I know that some people are like, I really don't like people. I just want to ask, what's your plan with heaven? There's a lot of people. Start getting used to it now. If they great you, maybe it's more about you than them. Just, just look at them. I mean, don't, not in a weird illegal way, just kind of like, like just, just try and, you know, just, just be observant. Two, a great friend is also a friend of one's destiny. This is what Jesus, um, drove Jesus from eternity to the cross as he had a concern about the souls of men, the eternal plight of people. Friendship is actually about affection, protection, and what, what basically being for that person. So Jesus, his friendship came out of not only a love for people, but a deep concern. And I don't want to get too religious, but I do definitely want to say, if you only have friends that tell smutty jokes, send dodgy memes, get you in trouble, cause your heart to shut down, towards God, you need some new friends. Why? They are not a friend of your destiny. I felt early on that Rebecca was a friend to my destiny. It was very early into our relationship. She has never, ever, ever opposed the things of God in my life. We have never fought about the purposes of God. We have definitely fought about clothing budgets and about about many other things. When she prays for me, it's like heaven opens over me. I hear her, she'll write a birthday card and put a prophetic word in the left side of it. She's always called me on to more. And I had that feeling in the early years, I thought, I haven't just found a wife. I haven't just found a life partner. I found a friend of my destiny. And you need to hear this today. There's a call on your life. And unless you get the right people around you to see that call and affirm, and I'm thinking too as parents, I'm thinking I'm not just aiming to help them walk and run and eat and then off you go at 18, never want to see you again. Already I'm thinking, what's the destiny on each one of their lives? I'm praying about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to resource it. I'm trying to help them understand it just by being a friend to their destiny. That's what I want to do and that's what you want to do too. And I I want to encourage you If your friendships do not have eternal matter in them, 
eternal substance, right? You need to change that because you're an eternal being. You have eternal substance and you have a call on your life. And you need to be able to do that for other people too. Three is a friend of truth. That's actually a really good thing about being a good friend is that you're able to have a level of honesty. You can actually be honest with your friends. I know some of you like to be a little more honest than you should and I'd like you to chill out. Because Ephesians 4 says that you are to speak the truth, but what? In love. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concern. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So you've only got friends who ever, only ever puff you up, but it's actually not coming out of a true heart of friendship. It's not good for you. If your friends aren't being honest with you, then maybe this is not actually a friendship. And if you're not being honest with them, maybe you're not being a good friend back the other way. Who walks around on eggshells? Who wonders if they might be, be, be being misjudged? Only those who can't be honest with their friends. It's not a, being honest is not about brutal, being brutal. It's about love without the agenda, but honesty. And here's how you know you've got good friends in your life. You want to know how? Because they can be honest with you. And you might not enjoy it at first, but you say what Solomon said, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Four is holy silence, being a friend of holy silence. Let me tell you something scary and concerning. That's when a friend is really good at telling you other things about other people that you don't really need to know. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife and gossip separates best of friends. It puts gossip and troublemaking in the same category and it says gossip and troublemaking plant seeds of strife. Romans 1.29 says that these people who follow the world have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. He goes on to expand what those are. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey the appearance. They have no understanding and no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And basically, to be a gossiper is to be a God-hater. Here's why. Who's the one person who knows everything about you? Who's the one person who only speaks a good word over you? So why is it that our world is built on sharing information about each other that people don't need to know? It's because the enemy uses that to sow seeds of strife and disorder. And I want to tell you that if you've got a friend who tells you something about their friend that actually you don't need to know, that's, that's just like bad news. That's like, hey, did you hear about such and such? 100%, 100% guarantee. They will use you to tell their other friends same things the other way. And we need to actually learn how to take this word really seriously. A good friend is a friend of holy silence. If I know something about you that I haven't been honest with you about, and that I haven't come to you, Matthew 28, you hear a concerning report, go to the person. I've had to do that a number of times. And, and most of the time, people are grateful in the end. But we've really got to be careful, eh? We, we, we need to be a friend who speaks the word of truth, a good friend. You might have some new info, holy silence. You might have new news, holy silence. 
You might be in the know. Holy silence. Why? Gossip separates friendship. Five, a friend of sorrow and joy. To be a good friend. I think that we've got to have fun in our friendships. Like It's got to be enjoyable. Hanging out and being together. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. So we want to actually have friendships that are mutually enjoyable. And, you know, we we love life. We love life. We love one another. Such a richness, a depth of richness. But it goes on to say, Mourn also with those who mourn. Sadly, people are often rejoicing with those who mourn and mourning with those who are rejoicing. You got a promotion? Time for me to mourn. My friend's been promoted at work. I'm going to mourn. It's going well for my friend. Something in me wants to mourn. Here's one of the ways you combat jealousy in your life. You learn to give thanks. Not only for what you're going through and what you have, but for what they're going through and they have. Because guess what? God's face is shining on them. And it won't be very long and His face is going to shine on you too. And what would you like when He does that? You'd love a friend. You'd love a friend who'd be with you. When your friends are going through it, they have loss or sorrow. Do something. Do something. Be a friend. Six, a good friend is a friend of sinners. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. They meant it in a slanderous term, but man, how glad we are that He is. Because we were born in sin. That was our original. If you haven't been born again, putting your faith in Jesus, then you are affected and infected with sin. You should, you should be interested in that. Explains a lot. Explains a lot of the chaos, a lot of the internal dilemma. But He was such a friend of sinners that He'd had to have meals with them. And I just want to remind everyone in the room about this. The mission of Jesus has not changed. That we are called to go to the harvest which is white. And sadly, believers have become sinners' worst friends, like the enemies. We have no influence left, nothing, because we just think, oh, they're wrong and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you don't know Jesus then. Because He would prioritise having a meal around at Matthew's house. Zacchaeus up the tree, I'm coming to your house tonight for tea. By the way, some of your Christian friends are sinners and they might've even sinned against you. Just wanna remind you to keep forgiving them. Just forgive people. Just let stuff go. Just come on, don't sit in the seat of judgment. Very quiet. A friend is also a great friend as a friend of their faith. In Luke 24, two friends are walking down the road to Emmaus. And what are they doing? They're talking about Jesus. And what happens? Jesus appears to them in the resurrected form because He'd just been crucified, but they couldn't recognise Him. So He goes, Jesus goes, what are you guys talking about? And they say, oh, we're talking about this Jesus. And Jesus, who's unrecognisable, goes, oh, who's that? And they go, what? You must be the only person who has not heard about this guy. And they began to talk to him about it. And then out of nowhere, Jesus starts interacting with them, showing them through the Scripture, oh yeah, that's about that. And that's about Moses. And that was about Isaiah. And and at the end of the conversation, right, Jesus reveals Himself to them and their eyes are open and they're like, what? And this was their quote. Were not our hearts burning within us while He talked to us on the road? And He opened the Scripture to us. Let me say it like this. Friends that talk about Jesus have Jesus with them as well. 
And you might have Christian friends, but you never talk about the things of God. You never talk about the Word of God. You never talk about the things the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. You never talk about the things that He's challenged you and you on. Or I love James Cooper because you go to the gym, right? And he's there stretching like a cat on the mat. That's what he does, rolling all day long, right? He has great tips on the rep ranges and how to whatever. But then suddenly he's like, oh man, I'm just filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm like, what? This is the gym. Can't talk about God here. At the gym, we talk about God a lot. Jared's doing 180, you know, uh, gram bench press. (laughs) He's strong, stronger than that. You would be amazed at the convos we have at the gym. But friends who talk about the friend, that's a friend of your faith. Hey, when you get around people's lives, do you lift them or do you drag them down? Do you inspire them on to the things of God? Or do, oh, I just sit in the middle road, it's safer. Hey, eternity's roads are not paved with the bricks of safety. If it was safe, Jesus would have stayed where He was. Take a risk. I, I um, am out of time, but I say to every grandparent, you flippin' should pray and lay hands on your grandchildren. They can't refuse. They can't refuse. With the parents, even us, we're like, it's so cool, you know, we've got a child at the moment who's just got some neck pain. And so they just come each night, a couple of nights in a row, just kneel beside our bed. I'm trying to go to sleep. Dad, can you pray for me? Stretch out my hand, just lay it on her neck. Thank you, God, for healing and believing God. And thank you, Jesus. And then move on from the healing. I thank you for the calling and the destiny. Thank you for the purpose. Man, when we have grandkids, hopefully not soon, when we have grandkids, when we have grandkids, I'm going to be anointing them with olive oil. I'm going to be praying for them. Seriously, they can't refuse. What are you going to say to your granddad? I don't like it. Stop it. No, they're not going to say that. They're too awkward. They know that, it, they know that if they say that, they're not getting a Christmas present. I'm telling you right now, Half the people, at least, that you offer to pray for will not refuse. So what the heck are you up to, people? Ooh, getting strong now. And finally, finally, finish with this. A great friend is a friend of your presence. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, Dear, dear Corinthians, I I just can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious God life. You know, we're not fencing you in. Any smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small. You're just living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly. Look what he contradicts in the small life and the answer. I'll speak to you plainly and honestly with great affection. Affection. Here's a friend. Open up your life. Live openly and expansively. And that's Jesus' secret weapon. And that's where David failed Absalom. Absalom got really mad when David did not deal strongly with his son who actually sexually abused his stepsister. And Absalom thought he'd take things into his own hands. And anyway, he ends up organising the murder of his brother and David finds out. And get this, here's the ultimate punishment. You wanna know what it is? David forgave Absalom with mercy, but he'd never ever meet with him again. And do you know what Absalom went on to do? Nearly snatched the kingdom away from David. Why? because technically he forgave him, but he had not met with him. Let me give you just the final thought on this. 
your presence matters to somebody. Your coffee time with them matters to somebody. You rocking up at their house, maybe ask first, matters to somebody. You matter to somebody. And you, we must give ourselves our presence, our laughter, our tears, our joy. We must be interested. And I hear somebody saying this, man, where do I find a friend like this? Two things. One, you be one. No one likes being a friend with a victim, I can tell you that. For me, I have a lot of friends, right? But I expect none of them to maintain the relationship with me. I expect none of them. So I'll text them. I'll text them later today. Got some pastor friends. I'll just, how was today? I'll text them before today. Hey, praying for you. If you want, if you want a kind of friend like that, be a kind of friend like that. Just be interested. Be there. Pray for them. Ask God for a word. Send it to them. Be trustworthy. Don't speak, you know, a wrong word. And number two, I, I love this thought. Invest in them. Because Jesus said, use your money to benefit others and make friends. So I have, with friends who don't live in this city, I've sent gifts to people. I, sometimes we might just send people money. Other times, if I'm in the city with them, I'll buy them lunch. Why? Because a person who has a generous ability to be generous, I've found the fastest thing that happens is you create a friendship. And you say, well, this sounds weird. Aren't you buying friends? 100% because friends are awesome. Why would you not want to have friends? Use your resource to actually invest in people and you're going to have friends. Man, what would happen if, what, would, what kind of church would we be if we were known to be the most friend-making church ever? turn this world upside down we would turn this world upside down and that would be my prayer for people here today it's actually my prayer for a couple of marriages here today and we're going to talk a little bit about that next week Becky Kondo and I we're going to we're going to talk about that but um, somebody in some marriage I know it's I know it might be awkward right now it may, it may not be your dream situation go back Go back to being their friend. Hey, boss, with your employees, you just task, 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 task. Stop. Shout everyone morning tea. Pause. Oh, no, we've got too much to do. That's right, you have. You're here to affect the eternal calling and destiny of people. That's why you're here. Come on. The greatest investment you can ever make is in people. You might need to go home and tell your spouse, hey, we should go back to being friends. Why don't you shift out of the room together? If it's really bad, why don't you shift out of the rooms? Say, let's go back to being friends. We'll put like a two-week date on it. We'll shift back in. But what we're going to do is we're going to court each other and talk. Here's the revelation of the day. Talk to each other. And we might even not have the phones in the bedrooms. Ooh. Yo. Man, you'll be smoking in no time. I bet the first night you're trying to stay out of the room, game over. <laughs> you don't like me talking like this? Well, what's your answer then? What's your answer? Because too many 
not just marriages, too many. Like, can I just say siblings here? When was the last time you rang your brother or sister and just chatted? What would I chat about? Nothing at all. How you been? What's up? What's going on? Come on. Why? Why? Because God works through relationships. Why? Because Jesus is a friend. Why? Because we've been called to be like Jesus. Amen? Father, take this Word and do something in us as a people with it. Help us in our hearts. Lord, I pray. Jared's going to come up here. Lord, I just pray there'd be something supernatural that would happen in us as a people and as a church. And you'd smile on us. Hey, thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our friend. Thank you for being the best friend anyone could ever have. Thank you that just in us, if there'd be anything that we just need to be challenged on or changed. Just anything at all. Maybe, Lord, there's some parents here today and they haven't been able to get access to their kids who are grown up. I pray they might just be able to do that. I just pray for the return of friendship. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website 